Hey everybody, this is Mother Frank, and glad to be here with you tonight. Um, We have a special program because a listener had found a show that Brother Benjamin had done back in 2015. He had forgotten about it. Um, It was a powerful, powerful episode, and it is more relevant now than it was back then, and we want you to hear it. This is a Do Not Miss episode, and we I listened to it through here, and we're titling this program tonight, The Shaking Compromise in the Land. Folks, you know, I know, we all know the state that we're living in right now, and God is about holiness in his people. And as Brother Benjamin is going to talk about, the Lord will reveal himself through his people, through us, to a lost generation in this hour. But we must be willing to follow what the Lord has for us. So I'm going to get this program going. You do not want to miss it. Share it with your friends. Uh, It was done in 2015 on Dorothy Carruthers' program. Um, If you want to go back and find the original, I think it was uh, something that said Psalm 77, maybe in the title somewhere. Uh, You can check out the original work starting at about around close to the 36-minute mark. And uh, just enjoy. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to The Remnant Call. Who has had time for the Lord? O generation of vipers, has no one warned you that you have a little time left to flee before the wrath is about to be revealed? Seek the sun. Examine yourself. See if you are in the faith. And if you are in the faith, ask the Lord what he would have you to do to pray for the babies that are being murdered in this wicked land. To pray for the church and the remnant of his people that are already being violently persecuted around the world. All nations shall hate you on account of my name, said the Lord. They will kill you, thinking they are doing God a service. Psalm 77 Verse 3, I remembered God, and I am troubled. I was troubled. I complained, and my spirit is overwhelmed within me. Selah. Praise God. That word for remember is zakar, and it means to mark. To make a mark so that you could recognize it and remember to make a mark that you could be that you could mention and be mindful of to bring into remembrance and that you would think on it often to mark your walls with the word of god to put a mark on your heart to remember the lord and to remember his holiness so the psalmist remembered the holiness of god and was troubled and the word is hamah It means to cry aloud, to rage, to be at war, to clamor, to be disquieted and to be, to mourn, to be moved and to, to be troubled in great tumult, to be in an uproar. And that's what's coming. Trouble's coming and uproar's coming. Hama means to be crying out and and it's very close to Hamas, 
which means terror in Hebrew. That's what's coming, these the dark ones that come to bring terror. Jeremiah chapter 23, the prophet said, My heart is within me is broken because of the prophets, because of the churches, because of the people. My bones, they all shake. I am like a drunken man and like a man whom wine has overcome because of the Lord and because of the words of his holiness. The psalmist in Psalm 73 verse 3 remembered God and he remembered the words of the holiness of the Lord and thus he was troubled. He's crying out. He sees the compromise in the land and he knows the holiness of God. So he's crying out and I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed, Selah. That word for overwhelmed is ataf. It means to be covered, to languish, to be covered and clothed with darkness, and to languish, to fail. My spirit was failing within me, to faint. You know, Jeremiah described it as being a drunken man who's been overcome and is who's broken and shaking in fear because of the Lord and because of the holiness of the Lord. Thus he was overwhelmed. And then the text says, Selah. And I know the commentators all have written that that word means pause in Hebrew. Well, they do err. The word Selah is the munition of defense. In Isaiah 33, 16, that word Selah appears in the prophetic text. In Isaiah chapter 33, verse 16, talking about the remnant that shall dwell on high, the remnant that is about to be delivered, and their place of protection shall be selah, the munition of rocks, and it's Hebrew for the word Petra in the Greek, which is the city of rocks, where the remnant coming out of the great tribulation will be protected by the Lord. And so as the prophet is overwhelmed, Remembering the holiness of the Lord, the Lord is reminding us he has a deliverance plan. God has a plan of deliverance for his people. But we need to understand the true state of the land, the compromise of the people. We need to compare that. We need to see that in the context of the holiness of the Lord. And we were told to remember I remembered God. I remembered Elohim. We too should remember God. Do not let the Holy One, the knowledge of the Holy One, depart out of you. We were told to remember and to make a mark of remembrance. All of Israel would mark a time or a place of significance, a place of commitment, recommitment to the Lord, a place of crossing over Jordan, a place of returning to the Lord. So Israel would make a mark. They would pile up a pile of stones or, or they would make some mark of remembrance to remind them that they had made a commitment to God and that they had crossed over. They had willingly crossed over Jordan. So too, a time of crossing over is coming. The days of awe are coming. They will precede the awesome days that are about to begin. 
so too we should be prepared to mark a remembrance of this time. I want you to remember this time, says the Lord. These are the final days of peace, before the judgment is about to begin, before the great shaking begins. Those of us who can see by the power of the Spirit of God know that the days of great shaking are coming soon. The days of all will precede them. We need to gather together in solemn assembly during this final time of the month of Elul. This is the month of repentance. We are to be turning back to the Lord now. We are to be putting our God in remembrance in our minds. We need to remember the holiness of the Lord. We need to gather in solemn assemblies. If you can come to the solemn assembly in Idaho, please come. And if you can't, please gather with us in your homes and with your friends and with your families, wherever you are. Let's gather together in a time of fasting and prayer for the deliverance of the remnant, for the deliverance of our children. For the Lord has prepared the weapons of his indignation against Babylon. The Lord can take no more. I personally feel the same. I can hear no more. This report about chopping up babies, it's exceedingly grievous to the righteous. It vexes our soul to think they sell body parts of murdered babies in the medical clinics of America. What makes us different than communist China? What makes us different than these butchers in the Middle East that call themselves ISIS? Because we do it all behind a closed door. We don't cut people up in the city square. We do it inside a medical clinic. And the people that we butcher, you can't hear their cries because the sound of their cries are muffled by the mother's wombs in which they've died. But the Lord still hears. He hears these babies crying out. Some of them, they butcher them after they've been born, if you could even believe it. That, my friends, is what is now happening. That really is enough proof right there. Judgment of God is about to begin. And who in their right mind would think the Lord should tarry? Why wouldn't? Why shouldn't God act now? Look at the evil that is now done in the name of good. So the Lord has prepared the weapons of his indignation against America Babylon. Chinese tank divisions are moving right now to the borders of North Korea. The Russian military has doubled the size of their artillery brigades on the borders with Ukraine, and North Korea has launched all 70 of their submarines. They are now out to sea, having disappeared beneath the waters. The nations of the earth continue to prepare for war, and America continues to celebrate that. The worship of its gods of pleasure and pride we need to return to the worship of the one true God. Turn away from all of the gods of the pagan people. The Lord has told us to remember his name. Make a mark of remembrance in your life. 
That's what these days of awe are all about. That's what this time of fasting and prayer is all about. It's a time to remember, a time to make a mark, put a line in the sand, throw the gauntlet down against the flesh in your life and say, no more. We are returning to the Lord. We're taking our children with us. And we're going to be the people who stand in the gap. Even if no one goes with us, we're going to respond to the commandments from heaven. We're going to cry out to the Lord, and the Lord will turn his ear to the people who still call upon his name in truth. In the Song of Songs, chapter 8, we read, Set me as a seal upon your heart and as a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave, the coals thereof are as coals of fire, the most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench the power of love, neither can the flood drown out this fire. And if you were to give all of your substance for love, it would be utterly despised. We need to set the word of God and the name of the Lord as a seal over our hearts. We need to bind our hearts to the word of God. We need to bind the word of the Lord as a seal on our arms. Put it as a seal on your wrist. And our love too must become as strong as death. Our God is a jealous God. Fire of his vengeance burns before him even now. We must, we must seek the Lord while he still may be found. God called us to remember him, to remember his holiness, and to set a mark, to make a marker in time, make a mark in your life, the place where you decided to turn back to the Lord 100%. God made a mark. Oh, yes, he did. The Lord is not asking you to do anything he hasn't already done. God made a mark by which he remembers us. He made a mark in which he chooses to remember your name. He cut your name into the marks that are on Jesus' body. He inscribed our names in the palm of his hand. They are a constant reminder to the Lord that you are his people. We too need to make a mark in our hearts that we never forget that we are the people of God and the Lord, he alone is our God. The marks that were cut into the body of Jesus. If you look at the image on the shroud of Turin, there were over 120 lashes cut into his back. Some of them to the bone. The beating was so severe they even beat him on the feet and the cuts went into the feet as well as all over his back. His head was cut with a crown of thorns and covered his brow. These are the marks in which God made a remembrance of his people. The price he paid for your salvation this is the price demanded by the holiness of the Lord. God did not pay this price so we could walk in compromise. He 
did not pay this price so people could be given a license to continue in sin. We must make a mark in our lives during these days of awe that are coming. That we would not forget the Lord or the word of his holiness. Because the Lord is about to bring a message to the world. He's about to grab the attention of the people of this earth. The Lord is not going to forget his people. In Isaiah 49, he said, Can a woman forget their nursing child and not have compassion on them? son of her womb. Yes, these may even forget, but I will never forget you. I have graven you upon the palms of my hand, the Lord said. Your wall, your protection, your welfare is continually before me. The Lord thinks of us constantly. You are never out of his mind. He never takes his eye off of you. He weighs every thought. He's aware of every meditation of our hearts always mindful of us. But we need to make a mark in our hearts. We need to put a mark in the sand of time on the day that we decided to make the remembrance of the Lord and the word of His holiness the first and foremost focus of our lives. In Numbers 30 we read, If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond. He shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeded out of his mouth. If we've made a vow to the Lord, we shall not be allowed to break our word. God's going to require that our vows be kept. God himself made a vow to Abraham. And he made a vow to his descendants who would be chosen in Isaac. God promised. And he swore by his own name. His promise became a vow. And so the Lord kept his word. This promise was kept at the cross of Jesus Christ. And the blood that flowed from the wounds was a confirmation of the covenant in which he provided our salvation. His life for our salvation. His blood for our judgment. His pain so we could be holy in him throughout eternity. And the blood that flowed from the wounds that were cut into the body. And that word to cut, that's what the word covenant means in Hebrew. Baraith, it means the cutting this promise was made in blood. It was paid in blood. And we need to approach it with the same level of seriousness. The level of, of sanctification. The level of holiness in which Jesus fulfilled his part of the covenant. And the blood that flowed from the wounds of the Lord dried on the forehead after they laid him in the tomb. Now, the blood was still wet when they put the body of Jesus in the tomb. And over the days in which his body was in the grave, the blood dried. 
and I had an opportunity to meet with a brother that's really spent a ministry of studying the Shroud of Turin, and, and he showed me at a conference I went to recently a, a close-up of the face of Jesus, and you could see the blood that had dried. And there was a lot of blood. But at the very center of the forehead of the Lord, he showed me what he thought appeared to be the number three, and then he was wondering if it didn't represent the Trinity. And, and I looked at the photograph, and I said, well, that's really not the number three. Um, you know, that three would be a, a English character. You know, this took place 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. I said, that's the letter Dalit, the letter D in Hebrew. And I said, as a matter of fact, right before it is the, the dash that represents the letter Yod. And oh, look, this is Bet. And when here is Resh, the blood that dried in the forehead of Jesus actually appears to be a series of Hebrew letters. So God cut this covenant in the blood of his son, and then he wrote the promise that he made. And he recorded it for all of time, that we would remember what God had done. And those letters are amazing because uh, Yod and, and Dalit, or Yod um, and Dalit and Beth and Resh, uh, could either be viewed to represent, well, two different sets of words. Um, the word Yod, the letter Yod, which is our Y, or our E, and Dalit is a D. Um, Yod, in Hebrew, means hand. And, and then the next two letters would be Bet and Resh. That would be Bar, and Bar means corn, grain or corn. And, and so... Uh, Yad Bar would mean the handful of corn that was lifted up. And, and so Jesus represents the first fruit offering in which a handful of corn is lifted up before the house of the Lord on the feast day of first fruit, Re representing the resurrection of the righteous. And, and we are raised by the power of the resurrection of Jesus and by his righteousness. And yet those letters could also spell Yah. Deber, and the letters Dalit, Bet, and Resh together spell the word Deber in Hebrew, which means word, and Yah is, or Yod, the letter Yah is short for Yahweh, and Deber is word, and, and so the letters cut, or that were written in the blood of the Lamb, could also be read to mean the word of God. And so every time the Lord speaks, the scripture tells us in the book of Job that the Lord speaks twice. Here the message written in the blood of the Lord Jesus on the forehead. It dried on his forehead as he laid in the tomb. Could be read to read as the word of God, which was lifted up as a handful of corn. The first fruit offering of the Lord, which is exactly what Jesus Christ did. So praise God. What a witness. But we need to remember the price that was paid. Psalm 77, verse 4. Thou holdest my eyes waking. I am so troubled I cannot speak. That word for holdest in Hebrew is achaz. And it means to, to seize, to become affrighted, 
to catch, to take hold of. God is about to get our attention. He's about to catch your eye. People that have been looking after many things, you know, the people that are doing what's right in their eyes, and they're, they're chasing after the things that are desirable in their eyes, so their eyes are going after their idols. But the Lord's about to catch their eyes. He's about to take their attention. Things are about to change, for the Lord is going to seize the eyes of humanity. And then they will become so troubled that they cannot speak. And, and the word in Psalm 77, verse 4, for speak is, as I mentioned, to bear. And it means to speak, or it means a word. It, it can mean a promise. And it, it can mean literally to, to talk or to teach. And, and so... The psalmist in Psalm 77.4 is saying the Lord is about to catch the eyes of humanity. He's going to take everybody's attention off their idols. They're going to see the awesomeness of the great day of the Lord that is beginning. And they're going to become so troubled, they will not be able to speak. And I think of the prophecy in Zechariah, chapter 2, verse 13, where the prophet declares, Be silent, O flesh, before the day of the Lord. For he has raised up out of his holy habitation. So the Lord tells us that we are to be silent. And when he catches the eyes of humanity, the flesh, the men walking in the flesh will be so troubled, they will be unable to speak. In verse 5, Psalm 77, verse 5, the psalmist declares, I have considered I've remembered the days of old, the years of ancient times. And, and that word for ancient times is kadem. It means the time of antiquity, the ancient time, the time that went before. And here the psalmist is, is saying, I've considered the holiness of the Lord in the ancient times. Remember the holiness of the Lord, not in the apostate churches of compromise, but the holiness of the Lord in the ancient times in the camp of the Most High. Remember Achan and what happened to his family when he hid the wedge of silver in his tent. Remember what happened to the nation when they went to battle and there was compromise among the people. And Achan and his family were stoned and burned in the fire in the following judgment. Do you remember what happened to the men who deemed themselves worthy of leadership in the camp of the Most High. And so they, Korah and those that were with him, they challenged Moshe. And they stood up against the servant of God. And you remember what happened on the morning that followed? As Moses said, let all that are with Korah step to the left. And those that are with the Lord stand on the right. And the earth opened. And all of Korah and his those that were with him, they actually fell alive into hell itself. Remembering the holiness of the Lord in the ancient times. Shall a servant rule over princes? Well, in this time of the great falling away, there are many servants who can, would have the hubris to presume to rule over the princes of Israel. But that's not going to last five minutes in what's coming. Proverbs 19, delight is not seeming for a fool, much less for a servant to take authority over princes. 
Psalm 77, verse 6, I call to remembrance my song in the night, and I commune within my own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. We cannot seek the Lord in the flesh right now. And listen, if you're going to gather together in the flesh, you know, you probably are wasting your time. I mean, go ahead if you want, but I don't think it's going to accomplish much. We must diligently search in our spirits. You know, we can't be in the mind of the flesh. And that's one of the reasons why fasting is so important, because it breaks the power of the flesh, and it allows you to overcome and put down the flesh, and it strengthens the spirit, so with our spirits we could search for the Lord. We need to find the Lord in the spirit and not in the flesh. Psalm 77, verse 7. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is God's mercy gone forever? Does his promise fail forevermore? Has God forgotten his grace? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercy forever? Selah, the answer is no. The Lord will have mercy on his remnant. But from what is coming, many people will think. They will falsely believe the Lord has forever forgotten mercy. Because the fierceness of his judgment is about to be seen in the land. Psalm 77 verse 10. And I said, this is my infirmity. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. And that word for infirmity in Hebrew is kalah, and it means to be worn out, or to be weakened, to be sick and afflicted, or to be in a time of grief, to be put to grief. I will remember the time of my grievous infirmity. It also means a woman in travail. This is what the remnant are walking through before the birth of the kingdom comes within them. And that's the purpose for the prayer and fasting and the solemn assembly that we could bring to completion this process of the grieving unto the death of the mind of the flesh, that the spirit of the mighty one could be released within us, that we could learn to, to begin to walk in the spirit of the Lord, no longer walking after the counsel of men. Because what's coming is impossible for the men of, who dwell on the earth to deal with. The only people that are going to walk through this time that is ahead of us are the people that have learned to walk in the Spirit. And it doesn't matter how much you've prepared in the flesh. It doesn't matter how much gold you buried in your backyard or how much tuna fish you have stored in your pantry. The only thing that is going to matter is whether or not you have learned to walk in the Spirit. Because if you are walking in the mind of the flesh, what is coming is going to shake you to the bone. If you are walking in the Spirit of God, you will be kept in your peace. And you'll be able to stand. But this infirmity, this time of travail is ending. We are going to remember the years. That word, I will remember, is actually not in the Hebrew. What is coming next is the years of the witness of the right hand of the Most High. And that's the power of the Most High. Remembering our, our trials and our testing. 
we are also now going to experience the power of the Most High, the power of the Holy One. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old, but they shall be eclipsed by the work that God is now going to do. The greater deliverance is coming. Jesus prophesied, you shall do greater works. That ministry has not yet occurred. That is what awaits the remnant. They're going to walk through the mighty deliverance of this hour. Hallelujah. I will meditate also on all of thy works, and I will speak about all of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Psalm 77, verse 13. It reads in the King James, Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? And I went to study that word for sanctuary, and I realized I'm, I really prefer the Hebrew text for Psalm 77, 13, and to read it even in the Hebrew logic for you. And it, it reads, you know, this is my best um, Hebrew on this verse. Elohim, which is the name of God. Bechadosh, holiness. Deroch, in all thy ways. O oh God, your holiness is in all your ways. And what God is as great as our God? It's not just the sanctuary, but it's the holiness of God. The, the verse speaks of our God, whose holiness is demonstrated in all of his ways. Every way of the Lord is righteous and true. Everything the Lord does is full of his holiness. And that's why he cannot wink at your sin. That is why Jesus had to receive over 120 lashes. You know, the normal penalty would be 40. The Lord endured th over three times that penalty. And I know I just have to wonder, and this is just my wondering as a man, if, if those three sets of 40 lashes might not be for the, the sins that corrupted our bodies, the sin that corrupted our soul, and the sin that brought death to our spirit. And if the judgment of that sin in all three dimensions wasn't poured out as three sets of 40 lashes in the back and upon the feet of the Lord. They even tore his feet up and then made him carry that cross. Elohim bekadosh derochah Oh God, thy holiness is in all thy ways. And we must find the holiness of God. We know about the compromise of the Americans. We know about the great falling away. We've all lived it. We must now find the holiness of the Lord. Jesus himself said in Matthew 5, verse 48, You be perfect, as your heavenly Father who is in heaven is perfect. And our Father is holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And we are called to be perfect as He is perfect. And this is not possible for us in the way of the flesh. We are required to walk perfectly before God. But we cannot do this in the mind of the flesh. 
we are required to walk in perfect holiness according to the new covenant. We've been given the power to do so by the power of the Holy Spirit. The choice is ours whether to repent or continue to walk in our own ways. But the sin that has dominion over all of us in this last generation, much of it can only be broken off with prayer and fasting. So if you refuse to fast and pray, and you refuse to obey the Lord, then you are not going anywhere in the Spirit. And if you don't go anywhere in the Spirit with the Lord at this time, then I can tell you where you are going to go in the flesh. Because you're going to go in the fire in order that the Lord would do the work in you that you refuse to do yourself. Elohim bechadosh darchot. O God, holiness is in all your ways and you require us to learn to walk in those ways. The Lord will help us. We can't do this ourselves. We can't do this at all if we stay in the mind of the flesh. And now I recognize that this is the opposite of the way of the flesh. We have to deny ourselves. Put off the mind of the flesh. And learn to enter into the mind of Christ. Learn to enter into the Spirit of God. And this takes time. It takes, we have learned the way of our fathers. Having spent most of our lives walking in this way. It takes time for our minds to be renewed. It takes time in prayer. It takes time in the word of God. And it also takes the decision to come out from among them. And be separate now unto the Lord. Psalm 77 verse 14. Thou art the God that does wonders, and you have declared your strength among the people. You are about to reveal your strength in the people that would trust and obey you. God is about to do wonders in the earth. He's about to do signs and wonders in the people who have chosen to believe him. Verse 15, Thou hast with thy arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and of Joseph, Selah, Petra is waiting. The ships of Tarshish will be waiting for you. The waters saw thee. Of course, the waters represent the people of the earth. The nations are pictured as waters. A storm-tossed sea. They are never at peace. The waters saw thee, O God. The nations saw thy power. And they were about, they were greatly afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water, and the sky sent out a sound. Thy arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder is in the heavens, and thy lightnings are about to enlighten the world, and the earth will tremble and shake. Thy way is in the sea, thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. God is going to leave the remnant in a way they've never walked before. Thou led thy people like a flock by the hand of Moshe and Aaron. So the Lord's going to lead his people again. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing how the word of God can speak to every generation? You know, I'm sure if you went and read Matthew Henry's commentary, 
you would find a wonderful commentary on Psalm 77, which probably wouldn't be focused on the time of the Great Tribulation. The Word of God is true in every day. It's righteous and true in every way. So in these Psalms, the Lord also is speaking to every generation, even unto our generation. But it does, the Word of God does require us to, to remember the ways of the Lord. Elohim bekadosh derchot. O God, who is holy in all thy ways. This is the God that is calling a remnant to come into his secret hiding place. The mixed multitude will not enter in. Much of the mixed multitude cannot even hear the Lord calling. They are content to walk in the compromise of sin. Oh, they deny it. They will tell you they are trusting the Lord. They will tell you they've already repented. We can lie to ourselves, but we cannot lie to the Lord. And in the judgment that is about to come, you will soon discern the difference between those who walk with the Lord and those who merely honor him with their lips. Amen. So I encourage you, gather together, times of fasting and prayer. God bless you guys. You know, test all things. Pray about this message. Receive that which you believe is confirmed in the word of God and by the spirit of the Lord. And then do what God would lead you to do. Amen. I hope to see you guys in in uh, the Solemn Assembly in Sandpoint, Idaho. And if not there, um, if you can, by all means, gather together in whatever small groups or, or even by yourself in your prayer closet. And, and let's lift up holy hearts and holy hands unto the Lord on the on that weekend, September 18 to 20, in the year 2015, during the final days of awe, before the awesome day of the Lord is about to begin. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, Dorothy, for sponsoring the program. You're quite welcome. Thank you for giving another excellent teaching. Well, praise God for that, sister. Because <laughs> all this stuff, I tell you, it really kind of comes forth by the, really by the Spirit of God, right out of the Word. I mean, I'm just reading the Scripture. But it's amazing when you go back to the Hebrew, you know, the things you find. Oh, absolutely. I had made a comment a while back on one of the programs that English was the language of Babylon. And, of course, Babylon means confusion. And mm -hmm. so English is the language of confusion. And that's one of the reasons that the prophecies have been sealed up until the end of time, because the majority of the church reads the book in English. So really, you know, it's a lot of the most important prophetic scriptures are confused, having been misunderstood in English. And a Russian translator, a professional translator, wrote me an email and, and basically said, Benjamin, you know, I'm a... I'm a linguistics expert, and, and I, I'm a professional translator. And after you said that, I realized that that's absolutely the truth. English is the most confusing language on the planet because it's so imprecise. 
and it's subject to so many alternate interpretations. That's why you can send an email to somebody, and they can get a completely different meaning out of what you said. And it, part of it is because English can be interpreted to be mean so many different things. And it's all in the eye of the beholder. And so, you know, we really need to take heed that we discern through the Spirit of God the true interpretation of the Word of the Lord. Because there's a lot of people walking around with a Bible on their coffee table, or they have a Bible on their bookshelves, they have a Bible in their office, they have a Bible in somewhere in their house. And a lot of people don't really read their Bible, but they've got one. And they're trusting in their understanding of the Word, and they'll tell you, you know, we're trusting in the Lord, brother. I hear it all the time from people that I know are not walking in the Holy Spirit. I know they're bound in the flesh. I know they're walking in compromise. And yet they'll declare they're trusting in the Lord. I'm just going to trust the Lord. Well... Let us know how that works out. It did not work out very well in the time of Jeremiah when they said they're trusting in the temple of the Lord. Because the truth was they were trusting in lying words. And those words did not deliver them when Jerusalem fell. And America is about to fall. The church is about to be judged. You know, we really need to fast and pray, you guys. You know, whether you can come to the solemn assembly or, you know, wherever. I mean, whatever door the Lord would open. Um, we need to gather together in small groups, fast and pray. We've got to do some business before these days begin. And, and I don't know what's immediately on the other side of September. But I know Father God warned me audibly, shouting from heaven. Something about this summer is really important. And I think a lot of us can kind of bear witness in our spirit. I mean, Dorothy, do you feel it? You know, I mean, are you kind of oh, on that yes. page? Something's yes. changing? Definitely. Remember that song in the 60s? There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. <laughs> <laughs> There's a man in, with a gun in his hand. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, isn't it crazy how the nations are getting ready for war, too? China moving all these tanks, getting ready for war with Korea, and North Korea launching all their submarines, and the Russians moving a bunch of artillery up to the border with Ukraine. And I didn't even mention the Ukrainian, pro-Western Ukrainian government is equipping several divisions on the border of Donbass, so... You know, we're squaring off. I mean, the world looks an awful lot like it's getting ready for the first round of World War III. And I'm not sure how that'll play out. My guess, you know, this is just a guess based on my study of the geopolitical situation. But my guess is something starts in Korea, you know, just to get the party started as a distraction. And, you know could turn into something pretty serious and you know maybe at the same time things would heat up again in Ukraine and, and then maybe it'll calm down you know maybe there'll be some peace treaty signed or you know it'll appear like the threat is past 
and then World War III will come out of the blue upon the whole Earth. Well, North Korea, North Korea fusses so much. I think a lot of people don't take them seriously because they do so much blustering. Oh, they do. They do. But, you know, if you talk to psychologists and and you ask them uh, if you if a person is constantly making violent threats, threatening violence, should they be just disregarded or taken seriously? And psychologists will tell you that in terms of individuals, if somebody's constantly threatening that they're going to use violence, they're actually pretty serious, and at some point they're going to likely do it. You know, only people that really intend to get violent constantly make threats of violence. People that would never go to war don't constantly threaten war. Because everyone knows that if you constantly make a threat that you never back up with reality, then you're viewed as a joke. Right? Yeah. Okay, well, the North Korean government does not intend to be viewed as a joke. They haven't been kidding. Even though we think they're kidding, they're not kidding. I think our Western mindset really holds us back from understanding the rest of the world and their intentions and their seriousness. Well, you know, Dorothy, that's why um, Jeff Nyquist and I are publishing our new book, The New Tactics of Global War. It is basically all about the mindset of the enemy Mm -hmm. compared to the mindset of the West and how we could understand the mind of the beast, the the bear that is going to rise up and bring the red horse of war upon the earth, what exactly is going on in their minds, and and then, you know, really just the logistics of how they're going to do this. Because a lot of people in the West also think this is impossible. But it's, it's very much possible. It's even risen to the level of extremely probable at this point. This really is coming. But, you know, for the people that are asleep in the outer court, for the sleeping virgins with no oil, it's going to appear as if out of the blue. But it really came out of the red not the blue. It came out of the minds of men who long ago turned red and whose minds were filled with the darkness of the red dragon. And these weapons that have been fashioned are the weapons of the indignation of the Lord. And these tyrants that that are the human puppets in charge of these beast empires, they're merely carrying out the will of their father, the red dragon. And he wasn't kidding either when he made his boast of war against the saints of the Most High. But the good news is we have a God that still does wonders. And he's about to show himself mighty to save the people who are willing to come out from the compromise. And You know, that's, to tell you the truth, Dorothy, that's all of us. To varying or lesser degrees, you know. We've all fallen from the truth, you know, and the reason I know that is the Lord said that to me last year. He said, you've all fallen from the truth. 
we've all been affected by the great apostasy, some of us to lesser degrees, some of us to far greater degrees, but none of us are walking perfectly as our Heavenly Father is perfect. None of us at the end of the day have God say to us, you did not sin today, which is possible to do. And now, there may be a little remnant that is walking in perfect holiness, but the vast majority of the church, even the vast majority of the people that are awake in this hour, we're not yet ready spiritually. And, you know, one of the reasons for that is a lot of the the watchmen, if you will, the people that have come forth with the word of warning for this hour, you know, they're... They've done a good job of telling you about the threat that is ahead, you know, the judgment that's coming, the giants that are coming, the Nephilim that are coming. Yes, Goliath is coming. Okay, great. Goliath and his big brothers are coming. And a lot of people got scared to hear these reports. Well, I'm bringing the, the other half of the report. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming. And those who've been called to walk in the way of King David are coming. And the ones that are going to slay the giants are also coming. And the mighty deliverer of his remnant is coming. We have nothing to fear if we've learned the fear of the Lord. So, you know, some people only see the negative of the day of the Lord. And it is a day of darkness. It's going to be a great trial. It's going to be a very difficult time. But in that time, the Lord's going to work a wonderful work in his people. And God didn't do this by some accident. You know, the Lord didn't just like let the day, you know, let this finale of the history of this earth, it didn't just accidentally turn into the great tribulation. This was God's plan. This is the day the Lord has made. He is letting this thing happen, and it's according to his will, so that he could show himself to be the mighty deliverer that he is, and so that he could bring his judgment and his justice down on the kingdom of sin, and he would use this evil to purify the compromised and walk with him. And so, you know, we really want to get on the page of the Lord on this deal. And... You know, we need to know what's going on, but we really need to know, we really need to seek the Lord in the things of the Spirit. We really got to deal with the issues that are in our hearts. You know, a lot of people are addicted to the news. You can become addicted to, you know, watching the news sites, and there's a lot of good news sites. And, you know, if that's all you do, you're going to be filled with fear. Because you're just going to be in the mind of the flesh listening to all the reports coming out of all these news sources. Half of them are coming right out of the disinformation channels of the Antichrist. They're designed to put fear in you. And fear has torment, and it really destroys your faith. So, it's important to know what's coming. But once we know what's coming, we really got to get close to the Lord. If we want to be able to stand in this great and awesome day that is His day. And so if we become too addicted to the news, you know, we're not spending enough time devoting ourselves to prayer. We're not spending time in the presence of the Lord. We don't do any prayer and fasting. All we do is continue to walk in the flesh, continue to feed the flesh, 
and continue to listen to men who speak from the mind of the flesh, telling us all the reasons why we should be afraid right now, well, it's not going to build up your faith in the Spirit. So you might consider losing the news, you know, lose the news, or certainly don't devote the majority of your time to the news, and rather <clears throat> refocus your time, as the psalmist in Psalm 77 declared, and remember to go back and consecrate your life with the Lord. Devote yourself to prayer, not the news out of Babylon. And you'll be far more prepared because we already know what's coming. How much detail do you need? Persecution is coming. Martial law is coming. Financial collapse is coming. World war is coming. Then the New World Order and the Antichrist are coming. The false prophets are coming. The Great Tribulation is coming. The Lord is coming. The kingdom is coming. What more do you need to know other than where are you on that list? Where will we be in that day? That is what you need to know. Not the latest detail on the market that's crashing. Of course the stock market's crashing. Yeah, it's wave one down. You know, and we began a wave two bounce today. Great. This is just sub-wave one. In, you know, and I, I may even do a book at some point to talk about the financial side of this. I hate to waste the time on the radio. It's just the beginning of the financial collapse. It's the beginning of the collapse of everything that man has built. We've got to find our lives standing in him. Right, Dorothy? Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not trying to be down on the people that are doing the news sites. I mean, there's some great news sites. There are some great ministries that have done a great job that are bringing the truth out. And, you know, if you don't know what's going on, then by all means, you know, go study and figure it out. Once you figure it out, though, you know, we got to get in the right place spiritually so that we can handle what is about to happen. Because if we're walking, you know, just in the mind of the flesh, we're going to be very tempted to become afraid when the whole earth becomes afraid. You know, there's no need for that because the Lord said, you know, see to it that you're not afraid. I mean, we were commanded by the Lord to not fear what is coming. We were told that the nations, their hearts will fail them for fear. People are going to be dying from fear of what's coming on the earth. But the Lord said, when you see these things, you lift up your eyes and look to the heavens, for your redemption is drawing nigh. We are not the people in trouble here. We are the people that the Lord is coming to deliver and to redeem. And bless Jesus for what he's done for us the price he paid in cutting our names into the covenant of God. What the Lord did for us is, I mean, none of us can even really, you can't even say anything, you know. It doesn't do justice to the, to the price Jesus paid. And, and it doesn't touch the glory of what he's done. And, you know, and all flesh really should learn to be silent now. You know, and, and whoever exalts, we should exalt the Lord. You know, there's there's none of us that are going to get lifted up in this hour. And there's nothing that we've done anyway. I mean, even the best thing that we've done has just been wood, hay, and stubble apart from the Holy Spirit. So, you know, this is the Lord's day to show who He is and 
and what he's done. He's going to reveal himself. He's going to reveal himself as a God who is holy in all of his ways. He's going to reveal the truth that he also called his people to walk before him in holiness. And we have fallen short of this. And that is the most important thing we need to address. We don't need to worry about the stock market. We don't need to worry about the price of gold. We don't even need to worry about what the Russians and the Chinese are doing. Other than its confirmation, this is coming fast. What we need to do is to buy the gold that can be purchased without money from Jesus. But it does require a transaction. It is not given away for free. You have to give something in consideration to the Lord, and that is your life, a living sacrifice, or you will not be given the gold of the kingdom. And the gold of the kingdom is the treasure of the righteous, and it is the knowledge of the fear of the Lord that causes us to walk in holiness before our Father, even as He is holy in all of His ways. That can only be received in a heart that is already laid down as a living sacrifice. If you're still out looking for all the shiny little glittering things in Babylon that you think are somehow going to bring happiness or value in your life, then you simply don't understand it all. And that's what the people in the outer court are doing, Dorothy. They're looking for glittering things, little things that shine in what, what they think is light in the dark. They're looking for the money, and they're looking for the eat, the pride. They're looking for the glory. They're looking for the pleasure. They're looking for all the things of man. Those are all going to become worthless as soon as this begins. The desire of man will fail. The desire of the flesh will become valueless. Just wait. Until the stormtroopers are in the streets, people won't be looking for glittery things anymore. People won't be desiring the ways of the flesh anymore. People will be seeking the Lord and their hands will be stretched out into the night. No one will desire the comfort of sleep. and We'll all be fasting and praying in that day. The wise sons and daughters learn to seek the Lord or the day of judgment begins. Because it's easier to learn and to practice now than when the real fight begins. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope that message was a blessing to some. Hope it encouraged I'm sure it was. It was a blessing to me. Well, good. Hallelujah. I'm glad. Thank you for uh, helping me bring it forth. And You know, I'm kind of excited. That was just one psalm. We've got a couple more to do. That's great. I can't. I love the Psalms. I love the Psalms. Oh yeah, they're awesome, aren't they? Yes. My favorite is one nineteen. Still though. I love that that part of Psalm seventy three thirteen that verse where it talks about God. His ways are in the sanctuary, and it's really holiness. And, and in Hebrew, it really reads Elohim, our God, the Kadosh, holiness by holiness. Baruch, in all his ways. By holiness, the Lord has shown us all of his ways. How awesome is God? 
holy in all of his ways. So we've got to become holy like the Lord is holy so that we could be found in him on that day. And so that when the prince of this world comes, he would find us hidden in the secret hiding place of the Lord. He would find nothing inside of us. Amen? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.